0: Have you ever had one of those moments in life where something comes up and you're not really sure how to deal with it? Maybe it's something messy or it's something that doesn't really make sense, or maybe it's just a little uncomfortable. So instead of dealing with it, you kind of push it to the side to deal with later, you know, out of sight, out of mind. For me, it all started when I was a little girl and I would get my report card and most kids, you know, the well-behaved kids, they would bring it home to their parents. But me, I would shove it down to the bottom of my backpack with all of my papers, never to be seen of or heard of again. And when my mom would ask me about it, I would just say, I don't know, I don't know where it is. Because sometimes in life, that can seem like the easiest way to deal with things. So we can do that with mess or emotions or maybe even awkward conversations. But sometimes we can even do that with the Bible. We can read something that's confusing or controversial, and we can find ourselves in this place where we're not really sure how to deal with it because it doesn't really fit our understanding of Christianity or of Jesus. We've been in a series called Confusing Moments in the Life of Jesus, and today, as we close the series, we're gonna be talking about a story that has left a lot of people scratching their heads, trying to figure out just what Jesus was doing here. And as a result, pushing this story to the bottom of the backpack of their lives to be dealt with later. So why don't we read it together? It's in Mark 7, and I wonder, as we read, if you can try and see why this story is deemed confusing. Then Jesus left Galilee and went to the north region of Tyre. He didn't want anyone to know which house he was staying in, but he couldn't keep it a secret. Right away, a woman who had heard about him came and fell at his feet. Her little girl was possessed by an evil spirit, and she begged him to cast out the demon from her daughter. Since she was a Gentile born in Syrian Phoenicia, Jesus told her, First, I should feed the children my own family, the Jews. It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, That's true, Lord but even the dogs under the table are allowed to eat the scraps from the children's plates. Good answer, he said. Now go home, for the demon has left your daughter. And when she arrived home, she found her little girl laying quietly in bed, and the demon was gone. Now, did you catch it? Were you able to see how someone could possibly find this story confusing? I actually remember when I first became a Christian and I was learning about Jesus and I was reading the Bible and I came across this story and I have to admit that I was pretty confused because when I read this story, it didn't really match up with the picture that I had of Jesus in my mind because I'm not sure if you noticed, but to me, it seems like Jesus is less than eager to help this woman. And I think if I read that right, Does Jesus call her a dog? And why does she have to beg him for a miracle when so many others didn't have to? At first glance, the story is definitely confusing and even offensive. Many Christians and theologians have done their best to try and explain what they believe is going on here in this story. There have been some who suggested that Jesus, he was never being mean. Jesus' tone was kind not harsh, where there's others who have suggested that because the word that Jesus uses here in the Greek is the same word for little puppies, that Jesus is actually being playful and calling her a puppy. But despite some of these attempts to try and explain what Jesus is doing here, I still feel a bit unsatisfied with those answers. So I think we need to dig a little bit deeper if we really wanna try and figure out what's going on here. In order for us to understand the story, we need to break it down a bit and we need to understand some of the context. As we start this story, we see that Jesus, he wants to get away. And if you don't understand the history of what's going on here, it's possible for us to miss a little detail here. It says that he left Galilee and heads to the north region of Tyre. As the story begins, we see Jesus heads into hostile territory. Now, what do I mean by hostile territory. For us to really understand the story, we need to understand the Jewish people, Jesus' people, they were called to live a pure life before God. So all of their laws, all the things that they did or didn't do, they were all centered around purity. In fact, the Jewish people had 613 laws that they would strictly follow all about how to remain pure. Or another word for that could be clean. And this was something that they were proud of. This is something that set them apart from others. This is something that made them distinct. And one of the main things that a Jew would not do in an attempt to remain pure was to interact with Gentiles. And maybe you've never heard that word before, Gentiles, but a Gentile is a word used to classify non-Jewish people. So when you hear the word Gentile, it's another way of saying a non-Jewish person. So there was Jews, and then there was everyone else, Gentiles. So why would a Jew not associate themselves or even interact with a Gentile? Well, at that time, the Jews considered the Gentiles impure. They considered them unclean. And I can't emphasize this enough. This was the issue in Jesus' time. It was so separate. It was like oil and water because associating with being around a Gentile was compromising your faith. It was compromising your purity because Gentiles were considered unclean. That is the divide here. And so to the original readers, hearing that Jesus is heading into the region of Tyre, this would have been shocking this wouldn't have made any sense because this was not the place that a good Jewish person would visit, let alone a rabbi or a spiritual leader like Jesus. And on top of this divide between the Jews and the Gentiles, there was a long history of spiritual and military conflict between the Jews and between the people of Tyre because the land that the people of Tyre were occupying, it rightfully belonged to the Jews. The first century Jewish historian Josephus wrote that Tyre represented the most bitter enemy that the Jews had at that time. So not only is Jesus heading into unclean Gentile territory, on top of that, he decides to go into Tyre, one of the most hated enemies of the Jews. This was unusual territory for a Jew to willingly go into. This was hostile territory. And for some reason, Jesus decides that this is the place that he wants to go to and get away. And it's here, as Jesus is trying to get away, Jesus is approached by a Gentile woman. Now, there is this word again, Gentile. And just like we talked about the Jews and the Gentiles, they don't associate with one another. But what makes this story even more interesting is at that time, according to the cultural standards of the day, men and women would not be conversing in public. It would have been extremely inappropriate for not only a Jew, but a teacher like Jesus to speak with a woman in public, let alone a Gentile woman. This is the moment when something is happening where everybody stops and looks because this would have been so shocking. This didn't and shouldn't be happening. And this woman, she is well aware. She's well aware of Jewish customs that Jews didn't associate with Gentiles. She is well aware of the political conflict and hatred between her people and the Jews. And she is well aware that it is improper for her to approach a Jewish man. She has none of the right credentials to approach Jesus. In fact, everything about her disqualifies her. But she doesn't care. She takes a huge risk. She enters the house without an invitation and she falls down at the feet of Jesus and begins begging him to save her daughter. This is a bold move. And if you read this story in Matthew, it tells us that she didn't ask just one time, that she continued begging and begging, so much so that the disciples even asked Jesus to send her away. So what does Jesus do? Does he answer her prayer? Does he commend her for her boldness? No, instead, Jesus makes a distinction between the Jews and the Gentiles. He says to her, first, I should feed the children, my own family, the Jews. It's not right to take the food from the children and throw it to the dogs. And I think this is the point in the story where everybody does a little bit of a double take. Like, wait, what did Jesus just say here? Jesus lets this woman know that his main focus while he's here on earth is to take care of the Jews. So yes, if you know a bit about the Bible, you know that after Jesus was resurrected, the first thing that he did was to tell the disciples to go to all the nations. But first, Jesus' earthly ministry is focused on the Jewish people. And in making this distinction to the women, Jesus refers to the Gentiles as dogs. And I know that we live in this time where people push puppies on their strollers and buy them designer clothes and such. In fact, my mom actually, from scratch, cooks our dog every single meal. But in Jesus' day, Jews often called Gentiles dogs because they were unclean. They were considered filthy. They would eat garbage, even corpses. And one of the worst insults that you could give to someone at that time was to call them a dog. And yet, This is what Jesus calls this woman. And I think for me, this is the point in the story that I would walk away from Jesus. After begging and begging and pleading for a good cause, it's for her daughter, and as a result being insulted, this is where I would get offended. But this Gentile woman, her response surprises me because she acknowledges her undeserving position. She recognizes she's unworthy, and she accepts the insult, even agreeing. So much so that she uses his metaphor to her advantage. She says, that's true, Lord. But even the dogs under the table are allowed to eat the scraps from the children's plates. And it's in this moment that we see that this woman recognizes something that even those closest to Jesus didn't. That there is so much of God's grace that even in the leftovers, there is more than enough. That God's grace is so great that it was never meant to be only given to one specific group of people. She recognized that God's grace is for everyone, for all people, right here and right now. Often, when we read the story, the obvious shocking moment is when Jesus refers to Gentiles as dogs. But I think the other shocking part of the story is this woman's response. It's her push back to Jesus, it's so bold. And Jesus grants her request. He even says, good answer. And as a result, her daughter is healed. I like how the story even says that when she goes home, she finds her daughter laying quietly in bed. So we've taken a deeper look at some of the context, but it still doesn't really solve the confusing moment to me. There are many suggestions and explanations of what scholars believe is actually happening in this story, but they kind of fit into two categories. So the first is that Jesus is either taken off guard by her response and then grants her request, or that Jesus is being intentionally provocative in an effort to draw out a response from her. And the second answer is likely the correct one. I used to be the preteen pastor here and one of the things that I miss the most about preteens is getting to play air hockey because there is a lot of things that I am not good at, but air hockey, I am good at. And so I kind of love playing with them because it gives me this confidence boost. And you know, sometimes you have to still show them that even though you're old, you can still beat them. And usually at the beginning of the game, they're so hopeful and confident that they're gonna beat me and watching them through the process of the game realize that that's not going to happen and that they're going to lose is, is a little sad. Sometimes they're trying so hard and they have these cute little eyes. And if they get me on the right day, maybe I would feel a little bit bad. So sometimes I do this thing where I try to set them up. I send the puck a little bit slower than normal, right in the center. I don't try so hard to block the nets, and I set them up so that they can try and get a goal. Why did Jesus remain silent and speak to this woman the way he did? Was he being cruel? Was he being dismissive? I don't think so, no. Jesus was intentionally drawing out a response from her. But why? To put this woman's faith on display for the disciples and for all of us to see. So he sets this woman up kind of like a slow puck in air hockey or a slow-pitch softball so that she can take her bat and knock it out of the park. And still thousands of years later, we talk about this woman and her great faith. Jesus intentionally draws out a response from her and puts her faith on display. So what is great about her faith? What is Jesus trying to highlight here? Her faith was great because it was unlikely. Jesus tells us himself that he has come for the Jews. But if you read the stories in the Bible, the very people that Jesus came to save, they reject him. The ones who were most likely to get it, the ones who were trying to follow all of these laws and were so concerned about keeping themselves pure and clean, they miss it. They miss Jesus. But the least likely to get it a female Gentile from hostile territory, she gets it. And if you read this account in Matthew, she recognizes Jesus as the Messiah, as the Savior of the world before the disciples do. How is this even possible? Nobody would expect this type of faith to come from her. Her faith is great because it is unlikely. Secondly, her faith was great because it was humble. This Gentile woman, she understood that what we get from Jesus has never been based on how worthy or unworthy we are or how pure or impure we are. That before Jesus, we're all unworthy. She didn't demand her way or get offended when he didn't immediately grant her request. She humbly accepts Jesus' words. She doesn't say, give me what I deserve because I'm so good. She says, give me what I don't deserve because you are good. She understood that only he is worthy. And finally, her faith was great because it was persistent. Jesus wasn't just an option for this woman. He was her only option. And when she got a delay in response and a confusing answer, when she got what seemed like a no, she doesn't give up because this woman realized she needed a savior. And despite political and racial and culture barriers, there was nothing that was gonna hold her back from approaching Jesus. Her faith was great because she knew that Jesus was greater than any of these things trying to hold her back. And the same is true for us. No matter if you are the most unlikely one, if you've been overlooked, or if you've made some mistakes that you're not proud of, matter if you feel like you're the least worthy, none of that can hold you back. There's nothing that can get in the way of a person who recognizes their need for a savior. Nothing can stand in the way of a person approaching Jesus. And that brings me to our big idea for today, which is that approaching Jesus is not about changing his mind, but rather about him changing us. For this Gentile woman, when she approaches Jesus and begins pleading with him to save her daughter, there's a bit of a delay. Jesus doesn't grant her request right away. And I remember when I started going to Bible college, I was dating someone seriously and we were just about to get engaged. But going to Bible college, it wasn't really part of the plan for our lives. And I kind of came to this crossroads because he was clear with me. He was okay with me going to Bible college for now, but once we got married, he wasn't really okay with it. And so I prayed about it. I was really conflicted, and I felt like God was leading me to break it off with this guy and pursue school full time. And so I did, and it wasn't easy, but I was trying to be obedient to what I felt like God was leading me to do. And as I continued on in Bible college, I'm naturally expecting that because I was obedient, because I was just listening to God, that everything would kind of just fall into place. That all of these doors were gonna open and that things were gonna be easy. But that's not how it happened at all. Things weren't easy. And I would see people all around me who hadn't done the work that I felt I had done, that I felt hadn't given up as much as I had and that God was blessing them with all these opportunities and all these great things. And the door that God was opening up for me, I was an admin assistant and I did approach God. I did pray about it. I tried to reason with God and get him to do something different, but nothing was changing. There was a delay. And for me, eventually I got offended. I was upset because I felt like God was holding out on me because to me, the delay felt like God was ignoring me or he was being cruel or maybe even unfair. But when I read this story, I noticed that there's this delay in this woman's life as well. But the interesting thing is that this delay seems to be on purpose. That as she approaches Jesus and asks her for something, He doesn't grant her request right away. He makes her wait. Why? Because Jesus wanted to do more than just answer this woman's request. He wanted to change her so that he could draw great faith out of her and so that he could use her life. This woman is the first and least likely person to recognize that salvation is open to all and she is the first to recognize that Jew first does not mean no Gentile. We would have never had the opportunity to see this if Jesus would have granted her prayer right away. And the result is that this woman's faith is commended all around the world. The delay is on purpose and it's filled with purpose. Have you ever felt like God has been delaying in your life? Have you ever felt like you've been approaching God and you've been trying to pray, you're doing all the right things and still nothing is changing? Often when this happens, we try to change God's mind or maybe we can get upset. But what God really wants, like this woman, is to set us up for the win. He wants to change us so that he can draw faith out of our lives and use us. In what seems like a delay, Is God moving and working behind the scenes, changing our lives? And we might not realize this, but we actually have a choice that in the delay and in the confusing answers, we can be offended, we can be upset, or we can sit at the feet of Jesus like this woman and in the delay, let him transform and change our hearts and lives. Because approaching Jesus is not about changing his mind, but rather, It's about him changing us. Why don't we pray together? Maybe you're watching today and you haven't yet made a decision to say yes to Jesus. And I want to give you that opportunity today to accept the gift of forgiveness and invite Jesus into your heart. Or maybe you're here today and you're listening and you felt that. You felt like God has been delaying in your life. But I want to encourage you that the delay is filled with purpose and it is on purpose. That God is not ignoring you, that he is not cruel. He is faithful and he's working things out in your life. And so if either of those are you today, why don't you agree with me as I pray? Jesus, today, I want to take the opportunity to say yes. I want to say yes to you. I want to invite you into my heart, into my life, and I accept your gift of forgiveness. God, I wanna turn away from the things that I've been doing from my old life, and I want to turn towards you. I pray that you would fill me with your peace and with your love. And God, I also pray that today in the waiting, in the delay, in the uncertainty, that you would help me trust you, that you would help me not draw away from you, but continue to move towards you. And so Jesus, I pray that you would help me to trust you in the waiting, that you would help me to trust that you are working out all things for my good and that you are faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with me today, the best advice that I can give you is to text the number on the screen Someone from our pastoral staff is going to text you back and see how we can best serve you or get to know you in any way. Thank you for being with us today and we'll see you next time.